Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on a beautiful Sunday morning? Yes, we're going to have an awesome, awesome, awesome service today. First of all, it's the weather is changing. Let's give God some thanks for that. Come on, somebody. Yes, yes, yes. That nasty, wicked summer is behind us soon in Jesus' name. And then uh, also, today we are going to be baptizing some people. Amen. So let's rejoice over that. And we love to see people get baptized. It is their chance to, to publicly tell everybody that they serve Jesus now and they're not ashamed about it. So we're going to rejoice with them. That'll be at the end of the service, all right? Well, let's go ahead and stand up together today. We're going to speak some words of faith over our beloved United States of America because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus and we will keep speaking these words no matter what. Amen? So let's say this together. 
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today, yes. All right, now, again, this is our third week getting back to this, but we have resumed our meet and greet time of the service, and and this is a time where we take a few minutes to go around, shake some hands, give some hugs, some high fives, fellowship for a few minutes before we get started and if you are uncomfortable with people getting into your bubble then you just wave from a distance but you still have to be friendly okay because we are friendly people all right so let's take a few minutes to go say hey to the family shed was mercy saving a dying world separated you found us running broken hearted but now we are your sons and daughters forever yours now I know what living free is like I won't waste another Your love that brings the dead to life Now I've got your love And I'm waking up Now I'm living resurrection life And now you got me living up Never giving up It's your love that brings the dead to life Now I've got your love And I'm waking up Now I'm living resurrection life And we sing oh, 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 separated, separated, you found us running, broken hearted, but now we are your sons and daughters, forever yours, yes Lord, now I know what living free is like, I won't Your love that brings the dead to life. Now I've got your love, and I'm waking up. Now I'm living resurrection life, and now you got me living up, never giving up. It's your love that brings the dead to life. Now I've 
I've got your love And I'm waking up Now I'm living resurrection life and then we'll get moving forward. But first of all, uh, we have membership class coming up. Amen. Uh, do I have any of my actual church members here today? Don't be ashamed about it. You should be proud about it. We're not that bad. I mean, you know, <laughs> praise God. But anyway, um, if you have if you have not uh, ever been through membership class and you want to be a member, you want to say, hey, uh, this is, you know, this is my church home. I'm putting down roots here. I want to make a commitment that this is my church family. Then uh, we want you to get that signed up for that. That's going to be Sunday night, October 3rd from 4 to 7 p.m. We've got child care and it's going to be a great time. And just so you know, I do bring snacks. I know some of you get cranky after you don't eat. So there'll be snacks there. All right. No worries. But uh, go ahead and sign up for that and join the family officially. All right. Praise God. I'm going to let Katie handle the rest so I don't screw it up. All right. Well, praise the Lord. So membership, I do want to invite you youth and teens. If you are 13 and older and you would like to become a member of the church, it, it kind of counts, but the idea is that you would know what we believe and that you would be able to be on board with that and be able to have your questions answered too. So if you're an adult and you want to know more about what we believe, you're not totally sure yet, jump on in and we'll give you some info. If you're a teenager and you want to serve in an area, jump on in and, and we'll tell you what we believe. And so you can be a part of the family as well. Moms, young wives and moms, I want to tell you how much we love you. I need for you to know that you are the reason that we have a church. The rest of you, we love you too, but you young moms, we love you very much. And we know that over the summer and the last two years, you've been through it a little bit. So we are kicking back into young wives and moms. We call it YWAMs. This Saturday, um, <laughs> I love you, Kiki. <laughs> this Saturday, uh, 9 to 11, 
there are some little flyers on the info booth, but young wives and moms, if you're a single mom, that's great. If you're a married mom, that's great. But if you have young kids at home, we want to see you out at the park. We're going to have some adult time, some much needed, send the kids to play and just encourage one another time. So 9 to 11 at H Street Park this Saturday, grab a flyer on your way out. Also, if you're married and you like it, say woohoo. Okay, yeah. Okay. We are married and we like it. If you're married and you don't like it, then you really need to come. So <laughs> um, October 1st is going to be our Lift Marrieds Night. And if you have never been to one of those, oh my good gracious, you need to go. Josh and Julie lead our Marrieds Lift group, Living in Faith Together. And so we are able to just get together and have a great time and goof off. And there's free child care and it's, it's going to be a great time. So October 1st, where's the time? 6 p.m. 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. 30 p.m. We'll figure out what time it is and we'll let you know. So we're calling it 6.30 right now and there'll be flyers at some point, but they're doing a chili night. So bring some chili, cheese, crackers, you know, just have a great old time. Or, you know, if we're talking California chili, you know, bring some tortilla chips and some tortillas. It'll be good. But chili night, married night with childcare. It'll be a good time. Um, also, don't forget Harvest Fest. There's the candy bin out front. And if you are interested in helping, please sign up. There's multiple pages for you to sign if you are interested in helping up. And we are working on it not being work fest and more of a family together fest. Um, so please make sure to sign up. And I promise not to work you so hard this year. Offering, Brother Lawrence. Lawrence is doing the offering for us this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm going to bring you up and, and then I'm going to cut you off for just a second. I know it's awkward. It's all right. So I, I know I'm cutting into his time. I'm sorry. So missions, this is Mission Sunday. The third Sunday of every month is Mission Sunday. And we have to give you an update. So the Thesins were here with us last week, our missionaries to Peru and Honduras. They were awesome. Praise the Lord for that. And if you missed her message for Sunday evening on living by your spirit, you need to get online and listen to it. Seriously, it's very, very good. Simple, simple steps to be able to live by your spirit instead of by your head and emotions. But here's what happened. So the super short version is they were in Texas before they came here. They were given a van because they normally pay for a rental car when they drive across the country. So they come up from South America and then they drive across the country preaching to minister to churches, but also to fundraise for missions. So they were given a van in Texas so they wouldn't have to pay rental car costs. However, they get to pastors and you know, pastor, and he's like, uh, those tires aren't going to work. Uh, have you had that van checked out? And so pastor says, you know what? Take my car. We're going to take care of your van. So they take the van to get checked out and praise the Lord that we did. There was some definite issues that were going to cause them some safety problems. So we went and had it taken a look at at a local shop in town where one of our church members works. 
and that church member says, it's gonna be a little expensive. It's gonna cost about $2,000, but I'm willing to give into it. So they gave into it. Then the church had some missions money saved up. The church gave into it and we sent an email out and some more church people gave into it. But the cool thing about this is between their offering and what we were able to put into the van, we were able to bless them with almost $5,000. Which is cool, like we're all clapping because that's a big amount of money, but that's not why I'm telling you about the money. The reason that I'm telling you about that is because over the last decade or so, they've been ministering faithfully in hard to minister in areas. And some of their financial support had changed some of the government laws had changed and things had been really hard for about the last 10 years. I'm not saying that we fixed it all, but what we were able to do is not about the money. When they came here, we were able to tell them what you do for Jesus matters and we care about you. And that is the big deal. Praise the Lord. So that is what I'm excited about. Thank you, Jesus, that we were able to do that. So they'll be back. I don't know if they're coming back to reach, but they'll be back with pastor's car and to pick up their van in about the next week, week and a half or so. And they will have new tires and a nice, fully functional, safe van to be in. Praise Jesus that our family was able to come alongside them. That's awesome. And a quick update. I know I'm talking forever, Lawrence. I'm really sorry. So a uh, quick update. We have started supporting New Life Fellowship and their ministry to the homeless and to those in need. And I wanted to tell you some of the things they did in August. And we're out of town. So these are things that we can't do from here, but they're able to do from there. So we're able to support that. They were able to take two seniors that didn't have a place to live and give them a place to stay until adult and aging was able to kick in and help them find a home. So they kept two seniors off the street. I don't know if that matters to you, but it really matters to me for my mom and my grandparents. Praise Jesus. They were also to, able to give gas money to someone who needed extra gas to make it to chemo in between their work schedule. Um, they took three people, um, and got them bus tickets to homes in other states. They had come out here, maybe made silly choices and needed to get home. They sent three people home. And if you have teens or you have been in that position, that's a really big deal and a blessing. And they also, of course, still have their food ministry going. So what we're able to send to them, praise God, is making a big difference in our city. In Jesus' name. All right, Lawrence, it really is your turn. Well, good afternoon. I'll say good morning, but Katie talked for really a long time. So, uh, good morning. Good morning. morning. What time is it? Happy time. Okay. Well, that didn't sound happy, but that's okay. You're happy on the inside, right? All right. So, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. One of these ushers will gladly give you one. And let's go to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. This is about uh, sowing and reaping, about giving, about being a cheerful giver, all that good stuff. It's almost on there. Yes. Promise you. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. There she goes. It's my daughter. Give her a break. So it says, Proverbs 11 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's awesome right there. There, we can just drop the mic and walk away. Offering's done, right? The generous will prosper, and those who...
who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I promise you, the only information I got from Pastor Dave was, Lawrence, can you do the offering with a smiling emoji? We didn't coordinate on what was talking about with the thesis or anything like that. But it's, you have to give, if you want something, if you're believing God for something, if you're believing him for a house, well then sow into someone about a house. If they're buying a house, they need repairs. If you're believing about a car, well then there was a perfect testimony right there with the thesis. You give into that. The tithe and the offering are just super important. I mean, I can talk all day long about what God's done for me just financially. So take it serious. When you come up to the altar with your envelope, if you're a family, come up as a family and say a little prayer as you drop it. Because it's not just, okay, here's a dollar. I have have some 50 cents in my pocket. Let me me send the kids up there with it. It it means something when you do your tithes and offerings. It's powerful. It, It works. And if you feel like, you know, hey, I've been doing it for two whole weeks. And nothing's happened. Well, you know what? I, Pastor Dave says it all the time, like with living your life. Like if you've been sinning for 28 years, you can't expect God to fix it in two weeks. Well, if you've been living crazy with your money, if you've been thinking like, hey, you know that 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 85-inch TV looks pretty good, but I got zero in my bank account. If you've been living that type of lifestyle, you can't expect two weeks to just wrap up all your financial key decisions. I guess that's all you can say. But work the word, because it works. Okay? So let's do our financial faith confession. Because that's awesome, too. Oh, and by the way, you can give online. You can give via text. I'm sure there's other ways to do it. Get on the website and you'll find it. Or do it the old-fashioned way. Drop it in the bucket. So, Let's do our financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe and receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bonding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. After you all drop off your offerings, we encourage you to come up to the altar and worship with us this morning. praise becomes your house your place our praise becomes your house your place our praise becomes your house your place our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, cause you 
just rising up in me right now, Psalm 37, verse 25, King David said, once I was a young man, and now I'm an old man, amen, but he said, there's one thing I've never seen, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, or their children happen to beg for bread, amen, and so I'm thinking about that this morning, you know, we've seen a lot of things in this world, right, I've seen a lot of things happen in my life, but there's one thing I have not seen. I have not seen God abandon the righteous. Amen. I have not seen the righteous, their children having to be out there begging for bread. God will not abandon you. No matter what it is we're going through right now, you are not forsaken. You are not abandoned. He's right there with you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Somebody say amen today. Amen. God is good. And so today as we're singing, I'm just, I'm thinking of all the things that he's done, all the things he's brought us through. And you maybe faced some stuff, but guess what? You're here today. You are at church. You are still singing his praises. The devil tried his best, but his best was not enough to come against you, child of God. Amen. And so I'm just going to give us a chance. Let's run through that one more time there. Amen. And let's, let's really sing it this time. Let's really give God some praise this morning as we sing this to him. Amen. Let's go. All my life. 
And we thank you that those words are true. Lord, we're not chasing down your goodness. It's chasing us down. Lord, we're not chasing down mercy. You said in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we thank you, Jesus, that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to be there with you forever. Anything that's going on down here right now is temporary at best, Father. And we thank you that our true home is with you and we're getting there someday. We love you. We praise you. There's nobody like you. There's nobody on the same level, nobody in the same league, nobody anywhere close to you, Father. We love you and we praise your holy name today. In the name of Jesus, can somebody make some noise for Jesus today? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Well, you can make your way to your seats. Praise God. Well, I'm going to say what I always say, but you picked a really great day to come to church. Amen. Why? Because every day is a good day to come to church. (laughs) I haven't found a bad one yet. And so, uh, praise God. We are going to have a really great time today. Um, my parents, they're in Brooklyn, New York this morning. They're over there with my brother up in NYC, right? So uh, they're going to the Yankees game tomorrow night and all this stuff. So they're having a good time over there. But they tell, they send their love and say hello to you, all right? Um, praise God. Um, go ahead and put the PowerPoint up there. The title today is this. It's simply called Storms. Because I want to talk to you about storms uh, for a little bit here this morning. And I lived in Oklahoma. I went to college in Oklahoma. And we had legit storms over there, right? I remember, I think I've lived here 14 years. I've seen lightning a total of about five or six times in 14 years. And every time, you know, we see it, the kids are like, oh, what is this? But but praise the Lord. They knew what storms were out there. There was real storms. And uh, the storms were so legit that you ever heard of these guys called storm chasers? I mean, I used to see these guys driving through there, these rednecks in their trucks with all these antennas and satellites. They're tracking down the storm and all this stuff. And and I'm like, man, you're chasing storms. I feel like sometimes I don't have to chase the storms. Sometimes it seems like they're chasing me. But praise God, praise God. Here's the deal. We know how to overcome storms around here. Amen. If you are in the middle of a storm, if you are in the middle of a situation, you came to the right place at the right time because I've got answers for you today. And they're not from me. They're from Jesus, and they're right out of the Bible. But I want to give credit to a lot of what I'm preaching uh, to Tony Cook. You guys know Tony. Uh, he was the dean of Rhema Bible College where Katie and I went. And he wrote this book called Through the Storms. I was just back there. Look, there's two of these left in the bookstore. And, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a book salesman, but I highly recommend getting these, uh, one of these. In fact, I was back there grabbing it, and Beth over there told me, hey, that's, I read that book, and it changed my life. So uh, there's two of these left. This is one of them, and uh, they're back there. But there is some really good word in here for you if you're like, man, I am just going through something. Or even if you aren't just going through something, praise God, the devil will try to send something someday. You know that, you know that much by now, right? So... Anyway, we're talking today about storms, and uh, we all face storms in life. Have you ever had a storm or a bad situation come your way? You didn't ask for it. You were looking for it. You didn't even want it, but it came anyway. And, and you know, that sounds like a broad statement. We all face storms. We all face difficulties. Uh, it sounds broad because not every storm is the same. Have you noticed that? Not every storm is the same, and you don't survive and conquer every storm the same way. 
where I grew up in Indiana, there was lots of tornadoes. My senior year of high school, a tornado came and ripped the roof off of the school while all the children were hiding in the basement crying. And so, you know, it was like this traumatic experience. And I was absent that day. I'm like, man, I always miss it. Like when crazy stuff happens, I was kind of, you know, like I wish I'd been there. But anyway, so they, they ripped this roof off and all this stuff. But here's the thing that you you don't handle a tornado storm the same way you do like a, a, a hurricane storm or, or a blizzard. I've got friends down in the south that they get all these hurricanes. For a tornado, we would all hide in the basement until, you know, it, it passed by. You don't want to do that in a flood because all the water's going to go out there. You handle different storms different ways. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to show you three storms in the Bible, three men of God in the Bible that faced some actual storms, physical storms, but also spiritually speaking. And I'm going to show you how they overcame their storm and their difficulty that they were in. Now, here's the deal. I'll bet if you're going through something or if you've been through something, you can identify with one of these men and the storms that came into their life. And I'm going to show you how they overcame the storm. Because I don't want the storm to beat me. I want to beat the storm. Do you know what I'm saying today? Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. And we're going to study the word. And I believe God's going to speak to you. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your word, and God, that we we have your holy written word right here that we can read and study, and it can change our lives. And so, God, I pray today that you will speak to every person here. Tell us, Lord, what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, and I pray that you will change our lives. If we're going through something, I pray that we get the answers we need today, and even if we feel like we're not going through something, I know that you're just laying the foundation so we can withstand anything that comes our way. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right, so the first guy we're going to look at today is number one, Jonah. You guys ever heard of a man named Jonah? All right, well, we're going to be talking about Jonah's storm. And uh, you can go ahead and flip to the book of Jonah there in the Old Testament. I'll give you a second to find that. But if you don't know his story, let me just catch you up a little bit here. Jonah was told by God to go to the city of Nineveh. And tell all the people to repent. And he didn't actually only disobey. He wasn't like, no, I'm not going to do that. He went the exact opposite way. If Nineveh was in the east, he ran to the west. He's like, I'm getting as far away from that hole as I can get away from. And uh, and it was a, a pretty, uh, I guess, terrifying experience for him, as we're going to find out here. Now, I've noticed... A lot of times in scripture, we see somebody have a a major mistake, and we kind of point and laugh, and we're like, oh, man, (laughs) what a loser. I can't believe he did that. Who would disobey what God tells them to do? (laughs) Anybody in here, God maybe told you something. You don't need to raise your hand, but you didn't do it, did you? And I'm willing to bet that what God told you to do was probably even a more safe thing than what God told Jonah to do right here. Because we point and laugh at at Jonah for not going to Nineveh. What you don't realize is Nineveh was like the terrorist capital of the world right then. It was the head of the Assyrian Empire. It was in modern-day Mosul, Iraq, and which is still not the best place in the world. But anyway, so he goes over there, and, and God says, Jonah, I'm getting ready to destroy this awful place. I need you to go over there and tell them to repent of their sins and turn around, or they're going to die. And Jonah's like, thank you, but no thank you. I don't want to go to the middle of a bunch of people that already hate my guts. 
they blow everybody up. They destroy everybody. You want me to go tell them that they're wrong and they've got to turn around? And Tony Cook said that was the equivalent of God telling you, I need you to get on a plane, fly over to the Middle East, find the biggest ISIS camp that you can find, and tell ISIS to return of their, to repent of their sins, turn around, or God's going to strike them. Now, we could at least understand a little hesitation on your part, right, where you'd be like, ah, ISIS, uh, maybe, I don't know, the Taliban, could I just maybe like go to Victorville and find some people? I mean, they're, they're a little weird down there. I could, you know, just something a little smaller. It's not that I don't want to obey you, but that's pretty crazy. And so we're laughing at Jonah and pointing fingers for all these years. But honestly, there's probably a whole lot of people that would not have obeyed God's command to go to the terrorist hotbed of the world and preach to them that they're about to die and they're wrong and they've got to turn around. So nevertheless, Jonas not only says, or excuse me, Jonah, I have a nephew named Jonas. Jonah (laughs) says, I'm not going, and he goes the exact opposite direction. And, you know, if God tells you to do something, you're still accountable for it, whether it's a hard thing or an easy thing. Have you found that out by now? I mean, there's some things God's like, I need you to go do this. I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'd love to go do that. That's that's a pretty good opportunity. Yes, thank you, Lord, for that. Then God tells you to do some things, and you're like, no, you're crazy. No, people are going to look at me. People are going to think I'm nuts. People are going to label me this and, and all this stuff. But either way, whether it's hard or easy, when God tells you to do something, you're accountable for what you're going to do with it. And here's the thing. There's great power in choice. And I'm thinking about preaching on this one of these days, but you can choose to disobey. I mean, God's not going to force you to go to Nineveh and put a, you know, put a megaphone in your hand and preach. That's totally up to you. You can choose to do it or not do it. It it is your choice, but there are consequences, right, when we choose to disobey. So we just know that. So here's the story. Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 8. Jonah runs the opposite way, and, uh, and he gets onto this boat for these guys sailing to a city called Tarshish. And uh, and the storm comes. So let's pick it up here. Jonah 1 verse 8. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. This is the sailors speaking from the boat. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running from the Lord. Can you imagine you just go around telling people that? Hi, name's Jonah. I need to get on this boat. By the way, I'm running from God, just so you know. If anything weird happens, I'm running from God. Just keep that in mind. Like, who goes? I mean, he's not even in denial. He's not even trying to hide the fact the man is running from the Lord, and he knows it. And so sometimes they're like, yeah, I was, I was living in disobedience, but I didn't really know any better then. And Jonah knew full well what it was he was doing right here. And so uh, then it says, why'd you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. They're trying to save his life. They don't want to throw the guy over into the sea. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they could not make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. I mean, listen, you're getting the sinners to cry out to your God now. That's how real this storm is getting. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. And I can just imagine, you ever see somebody, I'm not making fun, but somebody, you know, they, 
they don't know how to pray. No, they've never really seen it. No one's ever taught them how. So they're like, oh, Lord, uh, God of heaven and earth. Uh, and so they're, they're fumbling through a prayer here, but they plead, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death because we're fixing to kill him. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Here's your sign. Sometimes you're like, God, I need a sign. I mean, I need to know what the source of the problem is. If we throw you into the ocean and it all gets calm all of a sudden, we know that you were the problem. You were the issue, right? I mean, you ever find somebody, it's like everywhere they go, they're fighting with people. They're nasty. They're negative. There's always drama. And then as soon as they leave, like, oh, we've identified the problem. And so Jonah was the problem right here. And the sea gets calm all at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Jonah was evangelist when he wasn't even trying. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You guys ever heard this story before? This isn't news to you. And so he's in there for three days and three nights. This must have been an absolute nightmare. Can you imagine being inside of a giant fish? We'll assume it was a whale. But anyway, let's just assume he's in this whale, this big fish, three days and three nights. What in the world would that smell like? Come on. Sin will take you to some smelly places. That's a word for somebody right there. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Can you imagine the sights that he saw? Who knows what all was in there? What I mean, the rotting and the nasty and the disgusting. It was wet every time. I mean, what a filthy, nasty, disgusting experience. And this whole time, again, he's not like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. He's like, no, I'm, I'm running from God. I know exactly what, I know exactly why this is going on. I'm running from the Lord right now. And so he's in the midst of all this. But look at chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. This is crazy. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah, then Jonah, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Now, thank God that he finally did it. Thank God that he finally broke down and repented. But isn't it strange that he had to be in there for three days and three nights before he finally repented? I'm telling you right now, you've got to be one stubborn dude if it takes three days and three nights inside of a fish before it finally breaks your pride to the point that you'll repent. Isn't pride crazy? I mean, I know some people, like they may know, they know that they are not doing the right thing. They know that they are going the wrong direction, and everybody can see it. And it's even affecting other people's lives at this point. But they've got so much stubbornness and pride that they it would take three days inside of a stinking fish before they say, maybe I better just go ahead and admit that I've been wrong. Maybe I better just go ahead and do things God's way. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? The terrorists are going to blow me up. I'm going to die down here anyway and drown. I mean, seriously. So here he is. He's one stubborn man. Ladies, you think you married a stubborn man. You didn't marry Jonah. You did not marry Jonah. And so this man is in there three days, and then finally he breaks down and repents. And you can read, uh, well, verse 10, You can the next several verses you can read his prayer. But verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And so I just, ever since I was a kid, I've always had this visual in my mind. Can you imagine this? 
you're there on the beach building a sandcastle with your kids or something. A giant fish swims up out of nowhere and just throws up, and some guy comes rolling out onto the beach. Like, what did he do? What in the world just happened here? I mean, I would just, I, honey, get the kids, back the car up, get out of here now. We would take off running. But thank God that Jonah survived the storm. God did order the fish to spit him out. What a bad and awful experience that was avoidable. Uh, and so I'm going to put this on the screen. You need to know this. The cause of Jonah's storm, the cause was disobedience, and the answer was repentance. The cause of Jonah's storm was disobedience, because there's a cause to the storm. The cause of the storm was disobedience, but the answer was repentance. I know I've brought storms into my life through disobedience, whether I want to admit it or not. But is there anybody, I can't be the only one, I'm not going to ask you how, but have you ever maybe brought a storm into your life and you know that, well, I'd like to blame the devil, I'd like to blame my mom, I'd like to blame the preacher, I'd like to blame somebody, but if I were to be real honest right now, I kind of brought this one in and I invited this upon myself. And that's what Jonah had to finally break down and do. And uh, not every storm is self-inflicted, we'll get to that. Not every storm is self-inflicted, but some are. And so... If we're going to get some help for you today, because that's the only reason that I'm here, I want to help people. Listen to me. If we're going to get some help for some people today, you need to look at maybe the storms that you've gone through or maybe the storm that you're in and say, is, is it possible that this is kind of a self-inflicted one? Uh, because if it's self-inflicted, you handle that a different way than you handle a different storm. You handle a tornado different than you handle a blizzard. You're out there trying to fight the tornado with a snow shovel and wondering why nothing's happened. Well, save that for blizzard time. Right now we're dealing with a whole different mess. And you've got to handle it the right way. And so Jonah got out of this thing by repenting and turning to God. Notice that he didn't get to rebuke the devil. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. There's a storm. There, there, we'll get to that. I was remembering one time. Uh, my son, Isaac, I don't think he's in here, so I'll go ahead and share. But one time, uh, he, you know, the kids, they, uh, we're often, one of us will be in the office working, me or Katie, you know, just, we got to run in and grab something. And then a half an hour, 45 minutes later, we're, you know, we found 500 other things to do. So anyway, this is one of those times I'm sitting there in the car and, and, uh, and he's climbing over the seats and stuff. He climbs down over the passenger side seat and gets his head stuck between the door of the car and the seat. And his legs are dangling in the air, and I'm like, do I save him or do I just let him, you know, you got to learn some things in life. And so he's like, help, help me, help me. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, the devil did this to me. And he, he yells out, he's like four years old, and I'm like, all right, do I just let this go or do we teach a lesson here? And so I was like, son, listen, I, we pulled him out. The devil didn't do that to you. <laughs> You climbed over the seat and decided to do a pile driver into the side of the door. We could blame the devil, but that's not going to teach you the right way. The devil didn't do that to you. You did that to yourself. Now we can rescue you. The first step is admitting it, right? Come on, somebody. And so, so we, we got him to, we helped him out. But as crazy as it is, a lot of times we're sitting there, man, the de that old devil, he just, he, he's at it again. That old devil, he's out here doing it again. And sometimes, if I were to be honest in my life, the devil didn't need a whole lot of help from me. I was bringing the storms in well enough on my own. I mean, sure, he'd like to take the glory. He's like, yeah, hey, if you want to give me the credit, I'll take it. But I didn't really do it. But sure, yeah, blame me. That makes me look real good. And so you got to know that sometimes 
some of the storms are self-inflicted. And we're not here to, uh, you know, condemn you today. We're here to help you and say, hey, if you're in a Jonah situation or you've been in one, the answer to this is repenting of it and turning around and doing what God told you to do. And so thank God he gave Jonah a second chance. Jonah goes into the city. He preaches, what's he say, 40 days from now, this whole place will be destroyed. And, and, and lo and behold, they didn't blow him up. They didn't hang him. They were all like, oh, wow. They repented of their sins and turned around. One man obeying turned an entire giant city around just by doing what God told him to do. And here's the thing. Jonah hated them so much that he gets mad at God like, What? No, you're not going to blow them up. I wanted you to kill all of them. And so Jonah gets mad. He's like, ugh, because he didn't like the Assyrians. And he gets mad, and God deals with him on that again. What a stubborn guy. You do what God said for you to do. Then God says what he was going to do. And then you get mad at God. I mean, I can't figure some people out. but, But here we are. God turned the whole situation around because Jonah ended up handling it the right way. And so we've got Jonah's storm. And now I want to look at number two. Jesus's storm because Jesus went through a storm. Well, I thought that we were all exempt from storms and that we're guaranteed no bad days ever. Well, somebody should have told Jesus because he had a few bad things happen to him while he was down here. And he faced a pretty gnarly storm. And I want to show this to you. Let's flip over to Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four. We learning anything today. Amen. There's, there's different storms that they may come for different reasons. Jesus is the answer to every single one, but we just got to do uh, handle it the right way. And so Mark chapter 4, and uh, we're going to look here, starting at verse 35, Mark 4, and verse 35. And so here we have the story of, of, uh, of Jesus calming the storm, Mark 4, verse 35. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. I mean, Jesus, he had a crowd everywhere he went. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, or the King James says, peace, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. This storm came up suddenly and suddenly it stopped. And there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, there's a lot of lessons wrapped up in this one story. But I can tell you one thing with confidence. This storm didn't come because of sin. This storm didn't come because Jesus was disobedient or Jesus had sinned and had brought a storm into his life. Because you better know right now, Jesus was sinless. You recognize that, right? He's perfect. There's nothing that Jesus did that invited the storm into his life. This thing just happened. And sometimes you're, you're, you're living straight up good and holy for God. You're doing the right thing. You're honoring God. 
you've given your life to him. You didn't open the door to the devil, but somehow a storm still comes. And so here we have Jesus right in the midst of this thing. And notice this. He didn't wake up and say, oh, my gosh, a storm. Uh, that must mean I didn't sin. I know it's not me. So somebody else, in. Peter, you've been cussing again. You, you be honest with me right now. Peter, John, you guys, are you guys fighting again? Are the sons of thunder fighting? No. He didn't blame anybody. He didn't blame himself. He knew exactly how to handle this storm. And so even though the storm wasn't brought on by sin, the disciples, they certainly weren't handling it the right way. They were flipping out. And keep in mind that several of these guys are professional sailors. They are on the water all the time. They've seen some storms, so this must have been bad. But they're flipping out. Teacher, and, and, and in verse 38, there's something real key right here. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you even care that we're going to drown? And isn't it wild that no matter how long you've been serving Jesus, no matter how long you've been close to him, sometimes when the storm comes, it can get even the, the, the most passionate, dedicated person and Christian to start to question, wait a minute, does he even know what's going on right now? Does Jesus even care? Jesus' own disciples, when it all came rolling down, began to question Jesus' love for them. Jesus' own best friends, his own closest group of people, they began to question whether Jesus even knew or Jesus even cared or loved for them. And I, whether we'll admit it or not, many of us have kind of done the same thing when the storm rolls in. We've kind of done the same thing. And when Jesus doesn't flip out over our problems, you know, he doesn't flip out. He doesn't go crazy. We sometimes wonder if he actually even cares. And, and, and why doesn't Jesus flip out when bad things happen to you? Why doesn't Jesus lose sleep? Why doesn't Jesus just break down and have a mental and emotional breakdown when bad things happen in your life? It's not because he doesn't care. It's because Jesus isn't afraid of storms. It's because Jesus knows how to answer them. And you ever notice that in a bad situation, sometimes everyone's flipping out, and then there's just that one person that's calm. And people are like, man, don't you even realize what's going on here? Don't you even realize? Don't you even care? What's wrong? You must not care. You're not crying like everybody else is. And it's not because that person doesn't care. And it's not because they aren't aware of the danger. They're more aware of it than what you are. They just know how to handle it. They've been trained for this moment. And, you know, when things went crazy last year, I mean, there's people flipping out and crazy and, ah, what are we going to do? This is the end of it. And then some people are like, hey, we recognize there's some bad stuff going on out there. But praise God, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You don't even care. You don't even care. What's wrong with you? You're insensitive. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I read Psalm 91. He said, he gives his angels charge over me. They surround and protect me everywhere I go. You insensitive jerk. I'm not insensitive. I've just read the Bible and I don't freak out over storms anymore because I know how to handle them. That doesn't make me insensitive. That doesn't mean that we aren't aware of the danger. We just know how to handle the storm. And that's what was going on with Jesus right here. It's not that he didn't care. It's not that he didn't love the disciples anymore. I'm glad that I serve a Savior that doesn't flip out over storms. Because, man, if he's got it just as bad as I do, 
Come on. I mean, if he's if he's just as afraid as everybody else is, what help is he? But praise God, he's not afraid. Praise God that he doesn't run from storms. He chases them down. Amen. And he's ready to help us. And so another thing, you know, the disciples, they question Jesus' love. And then another thing I notice is they just automatically jump to the worst case scenario. Teacher, we're going to drown out here. And the King James is so dramatic. It says, carest thou not that we perish? I'm just saying we need to bring some of that linguo back because that, that's pretty cool. Like, honey, cares not thou that I perish? I haven't had dinner yet. What's going on here? Come on. You know, listen, listen. He cared. We've established that. But then these guys, they've pretty much emailed their obituaries to the newspaper. He was a good man. He drowned in the sea even though he was a sailor. And Jesus was right there beside him. Didn't care to stop the storm apparently. And so, I mean, they're just, they've jumped to the worst case scenario And I just don't like how the disciples handled this storm. And how many of us, we begin to question Jesus' love and concern for us, and then we just jump to the worst possible case scenario. We didn't, you know, I mean, seriously, well, I don't even know if my kids are going to grow up and serve God now. I mean, the way they're they're living now, they're only in third grade. I mean, come on, this is bad. Uh, I just see it now. Felon running in the woods from the cops. I mean, and and you just jump to these crazy, crazy scenarios. When Jesus is in the boat with you right there, come on. He's right there. He's not flipping out. But you got to handle the storm the right way. And so I like the way Jesus handled the storm a lot better than how the disciples handled the storm. And and notice that Jesus didn't stop and, and question if this was God's will. Maybe God sent this storm here to teach us something. And, and, and you know, may, maybe the Father, listen, if you don't even know if God is the source of the storm or if he's the answer to the storm, you're confused and you need help. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Jesus isn't the source of your problems. He's the answer to your problems. Amen? And if you don't even know if he's the source... I mean, if he's the one sending storms into your life, how can you possibly rebuke them? That you'd be rebuking God. You'd be rebuking God's will. You need to know right off the bat, God is, God is not the source of the storm. God is not sending it upon you. God isn't the one trying to make you sick, trying to make you lose money, trying to make your kids act up. God's not the source of it. He's the answer. But if you don't even know that, well, I don't know, man, maybe God gave me this sickness to teach me something. Then why would you pray for healing if God's the one that gave it to you? Don't pray away a blessing, right? Maybe, you know, well, maybe we're so poor just because God wants us to stay humble. Listen, that's a lie from hell, okay? Being poor does not mean you're humble. I know some poor people that have more pride and arrogance and bad attitudes than some really rich people. And so don't think, well, this is just how we stay humble. We We stay, you know... We can't buy our kids nothing like everybody else can, but it's okay. It keeps us humble. That's exactly what Satan wants you to believe right there. Come on, listen. Satan wants you to be stuck in that. When the word of God says in Third John 2, that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Amen? And so uh, you need to know that God's not trying to make you sick. God's not trying to steal your money. He's trying to get the blessings to you. And so it's very significant to note right here that Jesus didn't wake up and say, Wait a minute, guys. Whoa. Before I do something about this, we need to first of all establish if God's the one that's trying to kill us right now. Okay? 
And once we've established that, then we'll know what to do and we can move forward from there. No, Jesus knew beyond any shadow of doubt, this was not God trying to kill Jesus before his time. It wasn't God trying to kill the the apostles and the disciples right there. This storm was sent by Satan. I'll tell you why. First of all, Jonah's storm was brought on by himself. This storm was sent by Satan because Jesus said, we're going to get in the boat. We're going to cross to the other side. And if you look over at Mark chapter 5, as soon as they get to the other side, they come across this guy known as the madman of Gadara. This man was possessed not only by the devil, but, but says by a whole legion of demons. And Jesus was on his way to set somebody free from the power of the devil. And what happens? This guy gets, gets the devil cast out of him, actually several devils. And, and what does he do? He takes off preaching. He says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, no, don't follow me. You need to go tell everybody what God has done for you today. This dude just takes off preaching, and he becomes, I would say, he becomes a preacher. Satan was trying to stop Jesus from ever making it over to the other side of the lake. And I'm telling you right now, maybe the storm that's going on in your life, maybe it has been brought on by Satan, and he's trying to stop you dead in your tracks, because whether you know it or not, you are on your way to get somebody set free from the devil. Maybe you're on your way. Maybe you know it, but maybe you don't even know it. You are on your way to be used by God in a great big way. And Satan's like, man, I better stop this now, because if they get that person out of my hands, they're going to go tell everybody else what's happened. You need to know. And so, How did Jesus handle this storm? This storm was sent by Satan to stop Jesus from fulfilling the will of God. And Satan tried his best, but again, his best wasn't enough because Jesus rebuked the storm right there. And so the cause of Jesus' storm, okay, the cause of Jesus' storm was Satan, and the answer was using spiritual authority. The cause of Jonah's storm was disobedience. The answer was was repentance. The cause of Jesus' storm was Satan, and the answer was using his spiritual authority. Yeah, that's Jesus. We couldn't do that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Luke chapter 10, Jesus said right there in verse 18, he said, I have given you authority over all the works of the devil. Amen said you can walk among snakes and scorpions and none of these things can hurt you so don't say yeah well jesus had authority you've got authority too he's given it to you in his name and so you better bet that if a storm comes up and it's from the devil i'm going to rebuke that sucker in the name of jesus and it is going to stop and it is going to leave amen and I, well how do you know that i know it because the bible says it and i know it because i've done it Is there anybody in here, you have rebuked a storm from the devil in your life, and it has stopped. So there's different kinds of storms. (laughs) There's sometimes some self-inflicted ones. Sometimes there's storms that the devil just straight up sent upon you, and you need to be able to recognize that. Because some people, they're sitting there just blaming themselves, all right? We've got some people that won't own up to it. Then we've got some people that just blame themselves for everything. There's extremes on both ends. Sometimes you, it, it really wasn't you this time. The devil really did come in and just bring up a 
nasty situation and storm in your life, and you're sitting there like, man, I'm such a failure. If, 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 uh, if I was really a good Christian, if I was really a good servant of God, no storms would come my way. Here's another great lesson from Jesus' storm. Do you think that Jesus was in the perfect will of God and in obedience to the Father? This isn't a trick question. I, the answer is yes. But was Jesus? do you think that Jesus was in the perfect will of God and that God was pleased with him? Yet a storm still came. And so really, if you narrow it down, there's only two times in life that storms come. When you're in the will of God and when you're out of the will of God. Is, is narrow it down to that. So what does that mean? It means storms can come at any time. But the good news is, once again, Jesus is in the boat with you. You don't have to be afraid. If a storm came to Jesus, storms can come to us too. But praise God, we have the answer every single time. And in this instance, the answer was taking authority over the works of the devil. And it worked. Believe me, I can't tell you how many times, man, that I have used the name of Jesus to take authority over the works of Satan. And we've just seen miraculous Big time situations turn around, and I love it, man. Who's grateful for the name of Jesus today? It is the name above every name, amen? And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, some people are going to willingly do it now, like you and I are, and then there's some people... Someday, they're going to be forced to do it when this is all said and done, and that's not going to be the time to do it. You want to do it right now and say, Jesus, you're Lord, and I choose to do it now, not because I have to admit after it's all over that I was wrong. You're choosing to do it right now, okay? And so, three storms. Number one, we have Jonah's storm. Number two, we have Jesus' storm. And number three, I want to look at Paul's storm, because the Apostle Paul, he went through a nasty, brutal storm. Now, he went through a lot of really difficult situations. And, uh, you know, if you just, if you study the, the epistles there, you look in 2 Corinthians, he just lists all the things that he had been through. He'd been through several actual storms on the sea, but he'd been through a lot of other terrible things. And here's the thing, he did not quit. And, you know, I really like people that don't quit. I'm just going to say it. I really like people that even though they've been through a mess, they didn't quit. And they're here to tell the story later on. They're here to say, you know what? I went through this, but God delivered me. God brought me through it. And now I'm going to help you get through the same mess right now. But if we quit when things are getting bad, we don't go and deliver the madman of Gadara. We don't go and pray for the sick on the other side of that lake. We don't go and restore somebody else's marriage. We don't go and give somebody else hope when their kids are going crazy. We don't go and, 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 and help the missionaries when they need money. Listen, if you quit right now, you have no idea the impact that it's going to have on other people. Because you may think, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a, I'm just, you know, I, I work over here at Fort Irwin and I go to church here. But you don't even know the people that are impacted by your life. Not just right now, but next year at this time, five years at this time, 10 years at this time. If you quit right now, it's going to screw a lot of people's lives up. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. And so the devil tried his 
best to take Paul down, but he kept getting back up. He said in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11, but he said five different times, I received the 39 lashes from the Jews. Same beating that Jesus took before the cross. Paul got it five times, yet he did not quit. Can you think about that? Can you imagine what his back looked like? He was scarred from head to toe. And I can imagine each time he gets arrested, they pull his shirt up to beat him. They're like, whoa, this knucklehead's had this before. Dude, just quit. Give up. Apparently, this isn't your thing. No, this is my thing. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep beat me now, but I guarantee you by sundown, I'll be back out there doing the same thing that got me here in the first place. And yet we have people today that someone says, boo, while you're praying for your lunch at work, and you're like, fine, I won't pray. I don't want to offend you. I'll just shut up now. Listen, it's going to take a little more guts and courage in the end times than that. You're going to have to be able to take people making fun of you for being a Christian. You're going to have to be able to take a little heat for your beliefs and not go running. If Paul could deal with this stuff, we can take a little bit of what we've had. Amen? We can take a little bit. We can take a lot more. But listen, don't quit. And so let's look here at Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Are you still with me today? Acts chapter 27. And, uh, you know, Paul endured a lot of stuff that he flat out didn't deserve. And maybe you've endured, I know, I'll just, I'll, I'll use me. I, I've endured some things that I did deserve, okay? I've gotten some spankings in life that I deserved to get. And then, hey, I've endured some things that I didn't deserve. But praise God, either way, God's good. Don't blame God. It's not his fault either way. So Acts 27. And here in a second, we're going to pick it up at verse 10. But here we have Paul. He'd been incarcerated for about two years by the end of the book of Acts. And he realized he wasn't going to get a fair trial from the Jewish people due to the religious uh, prejudice that he, had, that he had going on. So he appealed his case to Caesar in Rome. And so since he was a Roman citizen, they're like, okay, fine, we'll send you over there. They grant the request. And he, here we have in Acts 27, he's on the boat headed over to Rome. And he's going to have his case heard by the higher-ups. up, by the higher ups. And so... Uh, Acts 27, verse 10. I'm going to read the first part of this in the New King James. So he says, Men, I perceive that this voyage, he's talking to all the men and the sailors and the other prisoners, this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the centurion or the soldiers there was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix. Did you know that there's oceanfront property in Phoenix? I didn't know that. A harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. Now notice, before this whole thing ever even started, Paul's on the boat and he says, men, I perceive I've got a feeling, I I just know on the inside of me that this trip is going to end with loss. There's going to be some bad things happen on this trip. I'm just telling you in advance. And so, you know, the the, the soldiers, you're a prisoner. We're not going to listen to you. And, And so what does it say? It says the majority advised. And I found out a while back that the majority is not always right. 
Anybody else found that out? The majority ain't always right. Uh, and you may have people from everywhere telling you, don't do that. That is, that is dumb. Don't do that. I remember when I got engaged to Katie, we were 18. I worked at FedEx in Indianapolis. I go in Monday, and I'm like, hey, guys, I got engaged. And, and people, are, I, was, I was expecting some congratulations. People are like, what? What? You did what? I'm like, oh, I, lo- I love her. Uh, <laughs> you, oh, my gosh. I had Christians. Born again, well, they said they were born again. I had Christians sit me down in the office. I remember it. I still remember to this day. These people sat me down like, we need to talk to you. We highly advise you, don't marry a girl that you've never lived with. You have no idea if you're compatible or not. You, we, let us, do not, you need to live with each other for at least a year. And I was like, I didn't say this, but even at 18, I'd rather die then disobey the word of the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody today, but listen to me. I'd rather die. I'm like, no, listen, God's way worked for thousands of years until all you geniuses came to screw it up, right? We're so smart now. And I mean, now, I mean, the family's everywhere a mess and it's crazy, but somehow it worked right for thousands of years when we just did it God's way. I'm like, no, we're going to get married. And we did get married. And guess what? 17 years later, (laughs) 17 years later, praise God, it's still going good. And all those people that had to live with everybody that they met before they could decide whether they could make up their mind or not, it didn't work out, not one of them. And I'm not making fun of them, but God's way works. And the majority is not always right. I thank God that I don't listen to the majority. I listen to Jesus. Amen. And so the majority advice, but let's look down here at chapter, or excuse me, at verse 13. I'm going to switch over to my NLT now. See, I've got these issues. I was raised in the King James, so I've got all this Bible memorized in King James. But I love the NLT, so I compromise on New King James half the time. But here I am. Got to go to my NLT. Acts 27, verse 13, it says, When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. Yet again, an abrupt change. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. And here we are. These guys, are they're in a bad, bad storm. And it, later on it tells us, I think verse 27, that the storm lasted for 14 days. Jesus got out of his storm within probably, you know, a half an hour or something. Jonah took three days or whatever, but praise God, this was a 14-day storm just being massacred out there in the wind. And so look at verse 18. The next day, as gale-force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Can you imagine such a bad storm out in the middle of the sea that you can't even see the sun anymore? They had several days of complete darkness. The sun and the stars were blocked out. They're out there in the middle of the water just all over the place. 
this is a bad situation. It's so bad that it says, finally, all hope was lost. And maybe you've been out there for 14 days now. Maybe you've been out there for a little bit, and you get to the place where, you know what? It's hopeless. You get to a place where all hope is lost. But praise God that Paul knew, no, not all hope is lost. There's hope, and we are going to make it through this. And so look at verse 21. It says, no one had eaten for a long time. You don't feel like eating in a situation like this. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place. Ladies, he says, I told you so. Amen. <laughs> Ladies, here's your chance. <clears throat> and so Paul comes out like, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of your li- none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. Somebody should say, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. And so Paul comes out. He has his I told you so moment. But praise God, we know this much. Paul spent the time during this storm praying and interceding and enduring the storm. And so out of the three storms we've seen today, one was the guy's own fault. Two was the devil's fault. And this one, this wasn't Paul's fault. And I don't even believe it was totally the devil's fault. I believe that sometimes we're in a situation and just the people that we're around take us right into the storm. This could have been avoided. If they would have just stayed where they were at, the storm never would have caught them up in it. And here's the thing, though. Paul was... There's nothing he could do about it. He was a prisoner in chains. And sometimes you're in a storm. And again, you didn't invite it. And again, it may not totally be the devil doing it. You have just been put into a bad situation by some other people's decisions. And 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 and, and what what's the answer to this? What's how do you get through a situation that you didn't want, but yet nonetheless you're still in? The cause of Paul's storm was other people, and the answer was patient endurance and prayer. Like, well, I don't want to hear about that. I don't like to endure. I don't, I don't want to hear about that. No, listen to me. There are some storms that you're going to endure for a while. You're going to have to endure it for a little bit until the thing passes. And, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. That's not. Listen, you don't think Paul knew his authority in Christ? Do you think Paul knew his authority? Do you think Paul knew that God is able, that God is willing, that this was not the will of God? Paul knew all of these things, but this was one of those situations where you have to endure it for just a little bit. Well, I don't believe in that. Let me show you one last verse today. Hebrews 10, verse 36. Hebrews 10, 36. You can ignore all the people that are just going to get baptized. All right. They'll be back. Hebrews 10, verse 36. Hebrews 10, verse 36. And uh, and you got to see this. Hebrews 10, verse 36. 
Praise God. I like it when the storm just instantly ends. And I like it when, hey, I realized I was a knucklehead and I repented and God restores everything. But then there have been some times when, hey, we're going to ride this one out with some patient endurance and some prayer. And well, how do you know Paul was praying? It doesn't just straight up say that. I know this much. When we read the first few verses of that story, Paul says, I perceive that some people are going to lose their lives here. But later on, when the angel appears to him, and says, nobody's going to end up losing their lives now. Why is that? I believe Paul was able to pray and at least turn the situation around where nobody's life was lost. Those guys are in a storm. But if I'm in a storm, I, I want Jesus on my boat, and I want somebody like Paul in the boat. Amen? And I'm telling you, if you're in a storm, I see people all over this church that I would say, I want that guy in my boat. <laughs> I want that sister in my boat if I'm going through the storm because I know that they know how to handle storms. You want the right people in your boat, especially if the wrong people got you into the storm in the first place. You need to watch who you surround yourself with because some people, they're nothing but bad for you, and they will lead you into some storms. And it wasn't God that brought you there. It wasn't even always the devil, and it wasn't even always yourself. But the wrong people can lead you into some bad situations. Thank God he's faithful. Thank God he'll get you out. But I'd rather avoid 14 days of puking if I can. You know what I mean? And so Hebrews 10.36, patient endurance. I don't, I don't believe in patient endurance. Well, here it is right here. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. And, you know, I, 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 that does encourage me. Some people are like, well, I, I, don't, I don't like that. That don't encourage me very much. That encourages me because I know that no matter what type of storm I face, Jesus is the answer. Jesus will get me through it. And I realize that sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. Lawrence was talking about that at offering. Sometimes it's not an instant. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Either way, Jesus is the answer. And Jesus is going to get me through it. And Jesus is right there in the boat with me throughout the whole thing, whether it turns around in 14 minutes or it turns around in 14 days or whatever the case is, Jesus is the answer. And so no matter what it is we face today, I've got to tell you, God is not the source of your problems. He is not the source of the storm, but he is the answer. And Satan would love nothing more than for you to start questioning Jesus' love right in the middle of this. Do you even care? Don't you know what's going on? Do you even care that we're going to drown right now? He wants you to jump to the worst case scenario. He wants you to turn on everybody else. Don't do that. Don't do that. You need these people. You need your Christian brothers and sisters right now. Don't, don't turn on them. You need them. And you need Jesus. Don't turn on him. Don't blame him. We're going to have to identify what brought this storm on. And once we do that, you know how to answer it. You can either repent if it was you. You can take authority if it was the devil. Or if it was just everybody else's stupid decisions that brought all this about. Praise God, you can take authority over the devil still. But you know, hey, I'm going to pray my way through this thing, and I'm going to make it through. But no matter what happens, if you'll stick with Jesus, you will win, and you will make it through that storm. And you will get to the other side of the lake, and you will set people free from the power of the devil because you didn't.
quit. Amen? And so I encourage you today, no matter what it is that's happening, Jesus is the answer. Stick with him, and you will make it through. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Let's stand up together. Praise God. I hope that we've brought some encouragement to you today. I hope that you've followed along in the scripture and you've taken some notes. But we're going to go ahead and start winding things down. Katie Brady, come on up. And uh, what we're going to do is, if you need prayer, I want my prayer team to come on up, please. My prayer team. If you need prayer, maybe you've been uh, going through the storm. Austin, I'm going to have you take this side over here. If, uh, if you need prayer, if you've been going through the storm, listen to me. We're here to help you. There's nothing more that we want to do than help bring the peace of God into your life and help you make it through the storm. The biggest thing, if you're here and you've never really gotten things right with God, or maybe you did at one point, but then you kind of walked away. Listen, we're not here to, to judge you for that. We're here to say, hey, let's fix this today. Because you have no guarantees of surviving the storm if you don't have Jesus in your life. Somebody that's got Jesus, you've got a whole Bible full of promises. Somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have a whole Bible full of promises for you. These are for the people of God. And so I'm encouraging you today. In fact, let's pray together before we move forward. We're going to pray together. And this is your opportunity to, if things aren't right with God, that's step one. This has to happen. If things are not right in your life with God, we're going to take care of that today. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes together? I want you to pray with me today. I want you to say this. Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. Give me the strength to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so... Uh, you guys know me. I don't believe in just simply saying a little prayer and then, you know, and, and, you know, being embarrassed about it. If you prayed that today, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've done it before, but you walked away, and today is your coming back moment, I need you to come up and tell one of these people up here what happened today. I need you to do that because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll have to deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you'll acknowledge me in front of men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Amen? And so, if you need prayer for anything today, come up to one of the prayer teams. I've got to go and change for baptism, so I won't be up here. So, listen, I'm not the only guy that can pray for you. You need to know that all these guys got the same Jesus and the same power and prayer and everything else. So, if you need prayer... Come on up. Katie Brady is going to lead us in worship for a few minutes. We're going to let the kids come in to watch baptism, so don't mind them. But go ahead and lead us in some worship, Katie. If anybody needs prayer, please come up and get prayer right now. Amen. You oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so. 
Every breath. 
thumbs up. You're staring at me. Okay, very good. All right. Uh, you could go ahead and be seated today. All right. Thank you, everybody. We're going to have our uh, baptism time today, and we appreciate everybody uh, celebrating this with us. Uh, you guys know this is a really big moment in our uh, Christian journey and in our uh, faith life uh, to be able to make this public stand for Jesus. And so I encourage you after each person that we baptize, you give them a great big uh, uh, cheer uh, because we're celebrating what God's done in their life. Now, family can come up and take pictures. You know, if you want to, you can come up on the stage. If you're family, you just come up the side there and uh, we'll allow you to do that and get some pictures. All right. So let's go ahead and have uh, who's going first here? James. All right. Come on down, brother. Very good. So we're going to... 
use this reference right here. All right. So, yep. All right. So this is James Browning. All right. And uh, he is fully committed to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen. Yeah. His dad is Tom back there in the sound booth. Let's hear it for Tom, everybody. We yeah. Amen. And uh, he does have a twin sister. He doesn't always like us to bring this up. Her name's Leah. <laughs> Leah is his twin sister, all right, just so everybody knows. <laughs> all right, so, uh, James, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay. Then on the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we're blessed today. We're baptizing the whole family, all right? So, except for, we already baptized Adriana a few years ago. So, she, But come on, who's next? We got Casey here. All right. Amen. All right. So this is Casey, his wife, and uh, Robert and Susan's daughter. You guys didn't know that? Amen. All right. Well, Casey, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I have. Do you believe that he's God's son, that he died and rose again? I do. Okay, step right over here. Okay, then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. machine. He goes to school and preaches and Amen. I guess they told him to stop, but he said no, I can't stop. <laughs> Alright. And Thomas also, when at the age of one, he received a liver transplant on his first birthday. So, the Lord saved his life. <laughs> Amen. So, God's done a lot of good stuff for him. Alright? Thomas, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Absolutely. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? All right. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's really shy, so if you try to talk to him, he probably won't talk back. Are you shy? Not really. No, he, he's not shy at all. He's very All right. How old are you, James? Eight. He's eight years old, getting baptized today. Praise God. All right, James, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, go ahead and hold your nose. Upon the confession of your faith... In Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
chefs, we have uh, a man that we all know and love. He's a pillar of our church. Yeah. But we've got Walter Easterling right here. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now, Walter was baptized as a kid, and uh, you know he served the Lord all these years, but he decided... I really want to do this as an adult also, and so he's going to be baptized today, but he grew up in the church, and his family was uh, in ministry and stuff like that, so he's known and served the Lord for a long time, but today's just going to be a great moment for him, amen? Amen. So, Walter, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, we're going to stand here right over here. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I love to see the kids and the teenagers making this commitment today. Amen. It's awesome. That's a good sight when we've got we've got young people giving their life to Jesus. Amen. All right. We'll bring Nicole down here. So this is Nicole. Let's hear it for Nicole today. Woo! Yeah! Amen. Amen. All right. Now, Nicole, how old are you? Twelve. She's 12. All right. Praise God. Making a big decision today at the age of 12. I love this. All right, Nicole, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he's God's son and that he died and rose again? Okay. I'm going to turn you around right here. Go ahead and hold your nose. Then upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen! Good job. All right. All right. That is everybody that we've got for today. We super appreciate everybody hanging out with us and celebrating these guys. Amen. I want to remind you that we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. And prayer at 5 o'clock. Is there any other announcements, honey? All right. Let's do, uh, Katie's going to go down there and lead the Barstow Faith Confession. Well, let's stand up together. Come on, everybody. Who's glad they came to church today? Amen. All right. Katie's going to close us out. Love you guys. Baptisms are my favorite. I love weddings and I love, you know, children's church. and But I love, 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 love. 
love baptism. So make sure that you give everyone who got baptized a hug on their way out. Because if the angels are rejoicing in heaven, then you should be too, right? Praise the Lord. Okay, we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barso is healed. Barso is prospering. Barso is safe. Barso is strong. Barso is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barso is full of love, joy, and peace. Barso is full of the glory of God. Barso is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank